Texas Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. We'll, we'll, we'll own what we didn't do well. We're not going to shy away from that. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of balls all right, to do what we did there at the end. So people better see that too. Is he talking about the jet sweep in the Georgia game? What was that? No, that was uh, using another school's uh, money to recruit for another school. Oh, come on. what he was referencing there. However we'd like. <laughs> really, nothing. Like, when we're talking about it, it took a lot of... <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll own what we didn't do well. We're not going to shy away from that. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of balls, all right, to do what we did there at the end. So people ah, don't see that, too. That's got to be the Kansas game. <laughs> Is it? Uh, dude, I don't – like, seriously, that's the thing. When we're talking about a lot of balls during the uh, Muleshoe regime, nothing really sticks out or comes to mind. Sure, the Kansas game is a good of a, as good of an answer as any other. Takes a lot of balls. Is he talking about uh, last-minute field goals that takes a lot of opportunities dude, to try and get one through? God. Hmm. How about that? I love whenever you pull a random quote you out. Like that is great. Yeah, I like the whoa, 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 Little Bill Self coming through there. And good stuff. I'll tell you what I love. There's nothing I love more than an early week. Let's take a freshman who played sparingly last year and oh. compare him to an All-American Dan Cody. You like that from the previous hour, huh? And that, that was good. That wasn't one texter who said that multiple times. That was multiple texters saying, oh, hell, he's Dan Cody. Just a throwaway statement. And God, since I didn't get on board that Ethan Downs is going to be the next Dan Cody, well, I obviously don't like Ethan Downs and think he's a crap player. That's basic. If you miss locked in the day, that's that's the short version of it. That's how the, that's how the show was today. I love the Downs kid, and I don't know how this makes people feel or not, but the last regime defensively loved the Downs kid. Yeah, you could really tell. Hmm. Uh, hard worker, effort guy. Never have to worry about him off the field, one bit. He's going to do absolutely everything you ask of him. He'll probably go above and beyond whenever it, it comes to, to practice and, and effort and leadership. But. There is no but. There's a but from you. Well, The only but is that we're comparing him to a guy that was six foot. Uh, he was like six foot five and maybe a sixteenth of an inch under six six. 270 pounds, ran a 4.540, was just the right amount of crazy to go with it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think, okay. You got to have a good amount of crazy in defensive guys. I think it's true. I, Dan was uh, even past that, which, hey, made him even, now, made him even was, better. He was the, the exact amount of crazy. So, I what I've seen from the Downs kid. I love, love the effort, uh, effort, 
love the effort, love the work ethic. I think he's got a super, super high ceiling. Now, I'm going to leave it alone after that as far as the comparisons go. Either he'll be, you know, a solid starter or All-American like Dan Cody or the next J.J. Watt. Why don't we just go ahead and and put that on him, too? It was a pretty uh, productive hour. We got several Dan Cody, Ethan Downs comparisons, and we even got a uh, uh, Danny Stutzman, Rocky Kalmus comparison in there as well. We got a lot done in an hour. Got a lot done. What's Stutzman listed at? You know, Rocky's tall. He's almost six foot four. Uh, six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounder. Now, as far as athletically, I think Stutzman is probably, you know, checks the box on the measurables probably better than Rocky. Now, the height, weight, maybe not. Rocky was was really tall, really long, um, but did not have a blazing forty. Was not Stutzman six three, two thirty four. Yeah, I think that's that's probably pretty similar to where Rocky was. Um, but I think Stutzman's faster, and I think he's probably, whenever you measure it, stronger. Um, but he couldn't play with a, a broken leg, two broken wrists, a broken collarbone. I think he played with a broken neck all of his junior season and three broken fingers. Well, the thing about Kalmus is he was excellent in – kind of translating what Venables wanted and expected to the field. And he is as good as I've ever seen. Roy Williams is number one. Rocky Kalmus is just below it at 1A in like a gamer finding the ball, being around the ball. So I think Stutzman's got all the tools in the world. Now, there's been a ton of guys between Kalmus and Stutzman that have had all the tools, right? As far as measurables. So we just got to see, can you can you do all of the other stuff that, that makes it translate into success on the field? And frankly, a big part of that is what's the level of play around you? That I mean, that's true. Um, Rocky was great. But even Rocky benefited from really good defensive line play. Even Rocky benefited from, you know, Roy being back there at all times and, you know, how, how scared of I mean, it, it all works together. Now, I'll, I will add in this, and especially judging by the video that everyone's going crazy about from practice at yesterday, BV with the linebackers, you know, going through drills and showing him. If Stutzman was ever going to be a player, this is his best chance to do so at OU with this guy yeah. as the head coach. Well, he's he's going to get <laughs> he's going to get double coaching on everything. He's going to get it from his D coordinator and backer coach, and he's going to be getting it from the head coach, who I imagine is going to be sitting in those meeting rooms with the backers quite a bit, and is going to have a heavy influence on what some of the coaching points are, what you know, what they're drilling in practice, what some of the the main points of emphasis are with them. So. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt. It's, it's fun watching Venables out there working with those backers. Wow, you bring it up, and the Downs uh, hate, if I should say it, starts to Downs was constantly overshooting the play ten yards downfield as the ball ran right by. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, that may be the case, but here's the thing, man. True freshman. True freshman. And I cannot tell you how difficult it is, especially to come from kind of small town high school football, Weatherford, to playing big boy football, Division One level out there with you know, 22-year-old guys, and you're 18 years old. So anything you get from a true freshman is you're going to take the good with the bad. There's going to be a ton of bad in there. There's going to be mistakes. You're going to be late. Your technique is going to be all over the place. But he's big, he's strong, and he has what is probably the best asset overall is – he wants to be good. Yeah. And everyone everyone says that. Everyone says they want to be good. But, you know, some guys say they want to be good and think they're, you know, three-quarters of the way there. Others say they want to be good and recognize that they're just getting in on the ground but floor. But it was a promising start last year. No doubt. And he, in terms of him turning into a stud or a star, like what, like he's well on his way to being that type of player, for sure. And it could happen as early as this season. I don't think that that would shock a whole lot of people. Well, so I, I I did not go as far to throw out the Dan Cody comparison, but do I think he's going to be a player here? Like, yeah, abs- abs- yeah, that's the expectation now for him. Was he an early arrival? Do you remember off the Man, top of your head? Um, I don't remember if he was an early arrival or not coming out of Weatherford. Part of me feels like he signed in the second signing period, but that's just that's just guess. I. <laughs> Do not take that for anything. I was going to say, like, if this is his second spring, which I would expect big jumps from year one to year two anyways, but if this is his second spring, I would I would expect that to even, even you know, yeah. be a bigger factor. They, they have some players to work with. Brent does. Uh, th- this is not a – this is not an empty cupboard that he's walking into. You've got some freshmen that – Showed some signs last year that they could be good players. They've got young players, and I think they've even got guys that have been on campus for you know three, four years now that yeah. you can work with as well. So the expectation should be to have a good defense next year. I, I don't. The expectation shouldn't be that ah they're going to take a massive step back. I, I don't even remember what their final ranking was. This will be might be a defense ranked seventy five to eighty. Like I, I think what the do you consider good defense? Well. Top 40 for next year. I think top 40 is a very realistic number for that group. Especially given... The offenses that you're yes. facing. Sure, yes. The offenses that we're facing, I I feel like we should be able to, to have a pretty good defensive ranking. But you never know. Here's the thing, man. It is... We are, what, we're three, four practices in... We've had two un- unpadded, two padded practices so far. It, it is – the coaches don't even know what to expect for defense coming up this, this fall. You just haven't had enough time. They're still trying to figure out what guys are going to play in, in what positions. You know, they're still s- sifting guys around. They're still trying to install their whole defense. You know, they're still trying to teach, like, what it means – it, like what the expectations are effort-wise and like what do we expect in, of you in practice and in meetings and in the strength and conditioning program. I, the 
this is not going to be anything that anyone wants to hear, but you know, I'm going to be a sounding board for it because I hear Venable saying it and I believe in everything that he says. Right now, the most important thing for Oklahoma football is building the culture. No, there's no doubt about that. And they and they are. The football are. the ball's going to follow. If you have 100 guys that are laying it on the line in workouts, like off the field, in the locker room, if you've got the right culture, football's going to follow. They've got really good coaches up there. They've got really good schemes. That stuff is going to happen. The, the most critical aspect for Venables over the first eight months is establishing the culture, making sure everyone is – aimed in the right direction whenever it comes to that aspect of things. Uh, real quick, yes, he was an early enrollee, says the text line, because he had to go back for prom. <laughs> That'd be a funny side. Hey, uh, hey, Coach, you mind if I go back for prom on uh, May 5th? Sean says a good defense allows you to win a game if your offense struggles at times during a game. A great defense can win a game on its own. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. There's no doubt. Um, you know th- – You've got to be able to score, and in and in this day and age, there is no doubt that you're going to find yourself in a shootout. Right? Yep. You are. You got to be able to have great quarterback play. You got to be able to move the football up and down the field. But it all comes down to defense, in my mind. If if you are shutting people down, making life difficult, turning the football over. You got a great chance. It all has to start right there. All right, let's get to our good friend Bob Stoops. Yeah, how about it? We're we're do a good coach Stoops interview, I, uh, aren't we? I've I've got something today. Just just get ready for maybe a uh, really good moment. Oh, I'm going to shoot for it anyway. Is this like a butter or margarine, kind of like your <laughs> pancake or waffle? Dude, question? I get that text every. Don't don't feed the trolls on the text line, okay? Because they sure find that hilarious. Six months after the fact, right? Hey. However long it's been. Hey, coach, we sure know you're busy out there. I just got an important <laughs> question for you: sweet tea uh, or unsweet tea? Whatever, man. <laughs> you clown. <laughs> All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Coach Stoops joins us next. Opinions, you've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 4-0. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. He is our favorite guest. He joins us every single Tuesday at 320. He's Coach Bob Stoops, brought to you by Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. Bob, good to talk to you this week. Uh, do I have this right? Were you at the softball game on Sunday? Uh, I was. A uh, fantastic game. Uh, of course, our ladies know how to be great in the clutch and pull it out. And uh, But it was a great atmosphere, a great day for a game, and it was fun to be there. They're special, man. They're special. And just kind of like building on that point, though, what's it like? Because they won the championship last year. They come into this season as, you know, they're the preseason number one, um, you know, and everyone obviously is gunning for them, and there's, there's really, it's usually more of the outside noise, everyone asking you constantly about winning a championship and are you going to go undefeated and all those things. How difficult is that as, as a coach to try and navigate? Well, it's difficult. It's different with football, you know, you, you, you know, with the – BCS, you almost had to go undefeated or 
you're risking not being in. And, you know, it's a little different when you play as many games as they play, so I almost feel like it's okay to lose a game or two early or, you know, when when it really isn't going to make that much of a difference. But uh, but you get everybody's best shot. Um, you know, we were kind of, we were pretty used to that, you know, as you know. And, uh, and I know Patty and her group, they know they're getting everyone's best shot. So whatever statistics you see with other games, just be aware that it'll be, it's going to be a tougher shot, tougher challenge for us. And um, I, thought the, I thought the Baylor pitcher did a heck of a job. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm no expert on it, but just moving the ball around, not giving us any you know, nice ones to hit and tight enough and close enough to swing at. I thought she was incredible. Bob Stoops is our guest. Be sure to check out uh, the full line of rock and roll tequila. By the way, guys, tell me what you think about this. I was out on the town this weekend at a certain establishment. This place had a drink called the Coach's Box. Here's what the Coach's Box is. Rock and roll mango tequila shot dropped in a cerveza with orange. Teddy, could you get down with that? Uh, Hey, I can get down with that. It just has to be the right day with the right things going on later, you know? It's it's best with Modelo. I'll give Modelo a little shout out, shout out. So I love but, uh, that. anyway, yeah, it's a it's a quick little uh you know, you pour a half of a beer in there and then drop the drop the shot so it isn't too much to take down. Yeah. Hey, um, there, there was a video yesterday, Bob, of Brent's in practice, and he's with the linebackers, and he's going through a drill, and he's animated. He's kind of getting after it with these linebackers, which I, I know a lot of OU fans like. I'm curious from your perspective, you go from a, a position coach to a defensive coordinator, and then now you're hired as a head coach. What was it like that spring? How did you handle going from a position coach or a defensive coordinator, maybe used to overseeing one particular position, to going to a head coach where maybe you have more of a role of overseeing the entire team? You know, there's just more to take control of. But when you've been in a leadership position as a coordinator, it's the same thing. Now instead of just talking and motivating the defense, you're talking to everybody. He's used to it. He's been doing it a long time. Uh, they, um, Marcus, they asked me, I was in an interview not long ago about Marcus Freeman, the head coach at Notre Dame, and how tough it will be to now be the head coach. I said, I don't think it'll be tough for him at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's been in a leadership position and has been darn good at it, just like Brent is. It's not that much different, I don't feel. Listen, when you're calling defenses and offenses and you've had that pressure of, game and been in national championships and been in been in the heat of the moment in big games and you're a decision maker this is no different i i don't i don't think you know people that have been in these kind of these big situations and have been making decisions all of a sudden now being the head coach i don't think it's it's that big a deal to those people i know i never felt it was that big a deal to me i'm i'm guessing that it you know as far as the ball is concerned football wise it's probably not that much different, you know. You're you're in the the meetings and talking about game plan and practice schedule and who's going to play where and all that stuff. It's probably it's probably all the other things surrounding the football team that that are well, the difference. You're exactly right. The football piece of it is very similar, but the, everything coming at you from all angles, there's just more to deal with, more decisions to be made. 
and you get used to that. You know that you you know that comes with the territory. But there is a lot more coming at you. That part of it is definitely different. But the on-field stuff, I never felt was all that all that challenging or that much difficult. When you hire good coaches around you and that are with you and know your know the style of ball you want to play. Now, one of the things that that's been talked about here through the spring is. You know, they were talking about some guys back returning punts and returning kickoffs and some conversations started there. And, you know, it's been quite a while since Oklahoma had a a return for a touchdown on the special teams units. And the rules have changed. And, you know, some of the the, the ways that you approach some of the special teams because of the rule changes have kind of affected it. So how... How much more difficult is it today, maybe than whenever you took over as head coach, to to make special teams a a really big factor in in what you do as a football team? Well, it's it, they're always a factor, but you know, let's let's be truthful here. Every team in the country, you might be lucky to re- return one a year, right? I yep. mean, I, I think people make a little too much of it. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't be returning kickoffs and average being inside the 20. You know, that isn't going to work. But you're motivated now to fair catch it and always get it at the 25 if you have any doubt whatsoever. I say I'd laugh at I, I bet go back and chart it. Half of the guys, if you catch the ball inside the five-yard line to the goal line or goal line and in and you return it, I bet 90% of the time they don't get it to the 25. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, sometimes the odds are, Take what they're giving you, um, you know. And uh, same thing, I you know I think with you know punt returns, I I always erred on the side of you know once we had a good lead, I had great better quarterbacks than everybody usually with Bradford, with Jason White, with Baker, on and on. Just give me the ball. I, I'm not going to take a chance. I remember being up at Colorado, got up two scores at Colorado. Well, you think Gary Barnett's just going to lay over and, and, and play dead mm-hmm. mid-late mid, third quarter? No, he's not. He thought, this is my only chance. He ran, I ran the punt return, and he sure enough faked it on us and got the first down and scored three, four plays later. Now it's a one-possession game. When all I had to do is leave the defense out there, fair catch the ball, Mark Clayton, you know, fair catch it, and all of a sudden – Jason White and our crew probably would have scored again. Now it's a three-score game. So people don't take that into account either. I saw I saw Iowa State. Fake the, we're up two possessions late in the third quarter or, yeah, or early fourth. When Iowa State at home, what'd they do? Everyone forgets. They ran a fake punt on us and got it. And then they scored. Now it's a one-possession game, and we're holding on to our, you, you know, whatever you want to tell at the end of the game, trying to hold on and win. If we would have kept the defense, went punt safe, fair caught the ball up two touchdowns, game isn't as tight. So there's a lot of lot of little strategy too that you know that that go every time you're going to return something, you're also vulnerable to a fake, depending on who it is and what what the situation is. Now early on, you know there there was gosh a lot of fakes going on, a lot of a lot of blocks, and in, you know the. The punt situation is different. It, it was way easier to block a punt then. So is is it 
Was it kind of like as you got a more sound football team that maybe you didn't have to take those risks, you were able to uh, to lessen them? I, I definitely, definitely. Yeah. When I was at Kansas, when I was at Kansas State, we had a very poor offense, or very average. That's a better way of saying it. In um, my my later years, before I went to Florida, so it would have been in uh, you know the early say the late eighties, early nineties. And we, we went after blocks all the time to try and create field position and create offense. Well, when, when we're here play with the quarterbacks and the offenses we've had, why would I take a chance roughing the, the, the punter and giving them an extra set of series and not have the ball back? I did that. You remember my first year at Notre Dame? We're, we're up uh, three scores, 17, and we, we had rushed one guy. He ran into the punter. On, on about the 50, 45-yard line, they end up scoring that series, and we end up losing the game. It gave them all the momentum. So everyone, oh, yeah, go block everything. Yeah, until you start running into the punter and giving up a whole other set of downs, and you take that set of downs away from your great offense. Yeah. So the better offenses I had, it was like, just give me the ball back, and, and I'll take my chances. You don't, you don't have to always create a block you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're that efficient offensively. Last question, Bob. Um, it's my favorite off-season tradition for the NFL and college football. It seems like we're always talking about an overtime rule change with both leagues. We're doing that today with the NFL. Uh, what's your ideal overtime setting for college football? Because it seems, well, I, I guess just two years ago, they, they've changed the way that college overtime even works now. Yeah, I, I think... My, my, my opinion would be that you should earn your, rather than putting the ball at the 25, put it at the 45 and yeah. make, your, make the team earn a field goal or a touchdown as opposed to just handing it a field goal to you at the 25. I was, I was in an overtime game in 97 at Tennessee uh, with Florida. And um, at, at Tennessee – we, uh, they had the ball first. They get the ball at the 25, and uh, we back them up five. Say, I can't remember exactly, but they didn't get a yard. We back them up. The guy makes a long field goal. Florida gets the ball. We get the ball Florida. We drive to right around the 10-yard line. Our guy missed the field goal. So bottom line, the overtime didn't reward defense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, it does. You get you back them up five yards, or they run it two, three times. You back them up three yards, sack them on, sack them on third down, whatever. Now all of a sudden, if you start at the forty or forty-five, all of a sudden you don't have an automatic field goal. So, to me, that would shorten it as well. There wouldn't be as many kick a field goal, kick a field goal, kick a field goal, or mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a little harder to touchdown touchdown when you start from the forty or forty-five. So, point my feeling has always been you should have to earn your points yeah no i like it because you know if, if you're out there on the outside or even fringe a field goal position and you go backwards you're probably forced to to go for a, a fourth down that's a low percentage and you know you don't yeah. get that then you're talking about looking at a good chance of ending the football game fairly quickly huh? no I, I like that the the chances are 
Uh, we'll probably get there at some point, but we'll change it about 30 times between now and getting oh, yeah, to that sure. scenario. Uh, with that being said, though, I can't let uh, Bob get out of here without asking how Coach Spurrier's new restaurant in Gainesville Oh, was. yeah. How was that? It was fantastic. Uh, Spurrier's Gridiron Grill. It's the largest restaurant bar in uh, Florida. Uh, it's, it started in the fall, and it's been packed. It's doing great. Uh, great, great fun, great food. Um, the, the bar up top, which was sensational, at top of the whole restaurant, open air, and uh, looks out to the city and all. Visors. And he's got about he's got about 200 visors that make the shape of a V as you come in. Uh-huh. Nice. So, uh, so anyway, uh, it was great, great fun to see Coach Spurrier and his wife, Jerry. And uh, met, they were having, they were introducing the baske- new basketball coach there as well. And so there was a lot of uh, people that I had been associated with, the former athletic director, Jeremy Foley, and on and on. So it was a fun contingent of Gators there that they've always been great to me that were fun to visit with and see as well. Well, Good stuff, Coach. We appreciate you stopping by. We know you're busy. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Great to be with you. All right. Thanks, Coach. There we go. Good Good stuff. stuff. I just love the text every week. What's it like going from a position coach to a coordinator to a head coach? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Whatever. Coach, talk about the difference in being a coordinator. You got to say it in that voice, though. (laughs) Talk about what it's like to be a coach. Okay, for people that don't know, when we do that voice, we're making fun of the OU media, essentially. Even though when we make fun of the OU media for doing it, we turn right back around and do this the same way with our own guests. The next thing, you know, is you weren't prepared. All of a sudden, it's your turn, and you say, Coach, talk about special teams. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, that's how it rolls. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on next. Teddy and Tyler telling it like it is, whether it's what you want to hear or not, every day from 2 to 6 on the home of Sooner fans. Golf fans, have you heard the news? The It is the rush on the ref, Tyler and Teddy, inside the Brown O'Haver studios on this Tuesday. As always, appreciate Bob for hopping on with us every Tuesday at 3.20. Text line says, y'all might have got Bob fired up. What did you think about his reactions to your, what's it like to emphasize special teams question? Mm, Talk about special teams, Bob. Talk about, what's it like? To talk about special teams. <laughs> Coach, you think Drake's going to return punts next year? <sighs> I mean, he just wasn't – I mean, he, he said that special teams are important. Mm-hmm. He did not deny that. But he, I, I guess, seemingly downplayed it a little bit more than maybe you or I have in the past couple of days. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, I think there is a I think there's a difference between uh 
downplaying like how aggressive you need to be on special teams and like approaching special teams like practice and preparation and like like how it's emphasized with the players you know i i think it's it's totally reasonable to not you know try and block every single punt right. and and return every single kickoff no matter where it is but you know i think setting a mentality of special teams are going to be the difference in the football game and and like believing in that and practicing that way and and you know making it an emphasis like it doesn't have to be just totally one way or the other you know just because you're saying that our kickoff return team is a weapon that doesn't mean that you have to necessarily return every single kickoff but you know you can't like my point is you can't just call on it and expect it to work for you if you're if you're not doing it on a regular sure. basis. So maybe are there two sides to the whole statement? Well, I mean, look at Kansas State every single year. They get big plays on special teams. If Kansas State can do it, by God, OU can do it mm-hmm. with the athletes they have. You on one coin, you can say on one side you can say that, but on the other it's well they play that way because they absolutely have to to generate any type of, yep. of points. I, I, maybe it can kind of be both ways on that. All I'm saying is I, I want to play on edge every single snap. And just because you're playing on edge on punt return doesn't mean it has to be a block. And it doesn't mean that your guy has to not fair catch it. I mean – you may call a return 10 times, and of those 10 times that you've called a return, eight of them may be a fair catch. You just may not get the opportunities, depending on where the ball's kicked, right? So I'm just saying that like, you can't, you can't just not have it be a part of what you emphasize, and then all of a sudden whenever you know the situation calls for it, you have to create something with special teams – and you're just not nearly as polished. There's there's a happy medium. There's no doubt. Why did you make that funny face uh, when he mentioned? Yeah, that, that's it. Wish everyone could see that. <laughs> Why did you make that face when Bob mentioned the uh, the big special teams play against Notre Dame in '99, up 17 points? I was laughing that to myself that if if you don't think special teams are like a, a critical aspect of Every football game. I mean, that's a game that Bob is recalling that was 23 years ago, mm. right? And he remembers the exact situation, special teams wise, that you know that was a that was a factor. Now, here's the other thing: he also had a kickoff return for a touchdown, and another one. You almost had two for a touchdown. Brandon Daniels in that game. Irish Wright was the name of the kickoff return, and you know. So, like, and that's kind of the thing is early on when you had an offense that was maybe less reliable, you know, you, you called on the special teams quite a bit more. Yeah, and but then when the team got pretty good, ah, wasn't it fun? Bob was kind of notorious in your days. 
like one that sticks out over any other is the fake punt at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Your offense rolls out, and then you take a shot down the field on the very next play. Seemed like Bob always like he he kind of go for the throat in that. You get a big turnover by the defense. And if the the numbers look like it, then you're going deep down the field to Brandon Jones or Mark Clayton. I, yeah. lo- I love that man. That's so that was so vintage, Bob. But it seemed like every time there was a turnover, a big play on defense or special teams, every time there was a deep ball, it was it was going for a score the next play. Yep, that sudden change offense. You know, the, the defense gets a stop and they feel like they're off the field. They're going to go grab a Gatorade. And then the next thing they know, they're jogging back out there, and they haven't had a chance to kind of like pre-stage what's going to happen on this drive with the defensive coaches, and everyone just jogs out on the field real quickly. And especially if there's no timeout in between, uh, you're just thinking, okay, we got let's let's stop the run here. Let's you know let's just kind of dig in, and that's when offenses go for some of those sudden change, you know, big play type of, uh, you know, call a deep shot, play action, uh, misdirection stuff. Tyler, do you still think it's a loser's mentality to run back a kickoff from the goal line considering what B. Stoops just said? Well, he didn't say not to – he didn't say to fair catch a kickoff with your momentum moving forward at the 10-yard line. I didn't hear that one from Coach. So, yes, it is still a loser's mentality in my book. Uh, when, when that's the case. Really, I was talking about when you're told to not even try to return a kick at all. Hey, no matter the circumstance, all right? If they kick it to you at the 25-yard line, just just call for a fair catch. Here's the thing. I mean, you got to understand that players, college kids, I've been there. I, you're, you are watching everything that happens. And if you play UTEP and the ball is kicked to the three-yard line every time and you're fair catching it and taking it on the 25, guess what you do next week on kickoff return? We're not returning this thing. And your, your, your interest level, and, and that's what I was saying like earlier, I, wanted, I want my guys on edge at all times. I want them going into every game with the mindset of coach is going to return every single one of these. And whenever that's the case, you prepare like you're going to have, you know, five, six returns in a game. If you fair catch it all the time, the guys prepare like you're going to fair catch it all the time. That's what I'm saying is like whenever you all of a sudden ask to to dial up a nice return, your guys just aren't conditioned to be able to go out there and do it. Were you on edge when uh, Alabama uh, surprise onside kicked it and Rocky Hurst took your legs out from Smokey underneath Hurst. you? Smokey Hurst. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, he gave the ball right back to him. I was on edge. They Let's see, they ran on uh, that onside kick. They blocked a punt, and they ran a fake field goal in that game. <laughs> Is there anything else that I'm missing? Uh, well, of course, the biggest play of the game when they're quarterback, uh, I think we've all done it two times in our life, throwing a baseball, where you throw it and somehow the baseball slips out of the back of your fingers and lands behind you. Uh, their quarterback did that that day. Yeah, well. Who was it, Eric Bassey? Uh, Eric, Eric Bassey, Bassey uh, picked up and score. ran for a touchdown. Yeah, scoop and score. Mm. What a wild mm. day. Mm. Ronaldo works that crazy run. 
That game was nuts. Went from totally dominating the football game to, oh, my God, we're going to lose Yeah, way to go, thing. guys. Because of the defense. Well, just playing complacent. Alabama ain't no good no more. It was crazy. What a fun day, though. In hindsight, was miserable, miserable at the time hot. of the game. Woo! Miserable for the days after the game. But in hindsight, fun game. <laughs> Fun game. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one next. Teams were really close last year. Still like that. Really close. If Florida State had the mentality of never returning kickoffs in 2013, Auburn beats them in the title game. Florida State had a kickoff return for six late in the game. That's right. How could we ever forget? Nice, nice job, guys. <laughs> to be fair, if OU was ever in that spot, I don't know if I act any differently there. So we can rip on those guys, but you'd, you'd be stepping all over that one. You'd be in the restroom. We don't return kickoff. That's that's true. <laughs> Major Applewhite would somehow find a way to walk in on me in the bathroom once again. Oh wow! His fault, not mine. Is he still at Bama? I think he's still an analyst at Alabama, yeah. Nice. So, please, God, we can't play uh, Bama this year. Did you see Lane Kiffin's first pitch this weekend at the Ole Miss baseball game? I did. Oh, gosh. And I saw that he used a golf ball, but I didn't look into it any further. You don't know why he used a golf ball? No. Teddy, you don't remember the Ole Miss-Tennessee game last year where they were throwing stuff on the field Ah. and he got hit with a yellow golf ball? Lane Kiffin walks out to the mound with the baseball. Ole Miss is playing Tennessee this weekend in Mm -hmm. baseball. He walks out to the mound with the baseball, unzips like his jacket, pulls out a yellow golf ball. I don't know if it's the same one that was thrown at him at Neyland Stadium, but he throws the yellow golf ball instead of the baseball for nice. the first pitch. It's like, dang it, Lane, stop doing stuff that makes me really want to like you. And I don't want you as our head coach. God knows I don't. But you're, you're, you keep doing stuff that's really funny and really entertaining. I would... I would have really respected it if he would have thrown an empty Dasani bottle filled up an eighth of the way with chewing tobacco spit, right? That's really what end was, over end for yeah, strike. That's really what was thrown all over the field. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two is next. Keep hitting us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line six five one three four three nine.